0: Good morning, welcome to Still Growing in Grace. So thrilled you took time to join me today, and today is going to be a long one, just a heads up, but it's going to be so good. Um, we are continuing in our conference called Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness. Uh, I've been sharing some bonus content on my Wednesday mornings. Um, why? Because i have way too much info <laughs> and so today's uh conversation is going to be uh, it's like a pinnacle it's like wow we're hitting some really big peaks of deep deep content so i i believe you're gonna be thrilled by what you hear today it's not too late to register for the conference and by registering for the conference even though tomorrow night's the last night uh, you will have access to all the sessions and right now i think i've got I think almost 25 25 sessions available uh, by the time we're done Uh, might be 26 but either way it's close enough that's a big number of content so all you gotta do is make a donation we're not charging for the event we're asking you to participate and if you love it you can make a donation that'd be awesome um yeah because anything that is donated helps us uh, continue doing this again and it reaches farther and wider than you ever dreamed so without wasting time because we're not, uh, we're going to dive right into Francois Dutoy. He wrote the Mirror Bible. That's uh, what he's most known for. Uh, but you're going to love his passion. So we've got this video split into two, uh, but I've merged it into one. Um, he thought he was recording at one point, uh, so you're going to see his hair tied back for the second half. It's kind of funny, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's really really great. It's called Engaging Your Redeemed in a sense. And anybody that knows Francois, yep, that's a title he would use. So let's just dive in. And I think you're gonna love this, here we go. Oh, by the way, this is gonna be about an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 18 minutes. So this is gonna run till 9.30 Eastern time. Uh, Just a heads up. Let's enjoy.
1: Thank you, Mike Zenker for setting up this amazing conference around the subject of forgiveness and inviting me to participate also So I greet you with wonderful, very warm greetings here from South Africa. I think our temperatures are in the close to the 40 degrees at the moment. um, That's Celsius. And um, it's so wonderful to be connected beyond season, beyond geography, and tap into a resource that um, is as eternal as the Word is. In the beginning, John writes, The word was face to face with God And in the same face to faceness Where there is no distance, no delay, no distraction We are so blessed and privileged to tap into A resource that cannot be exhausted Not in time or in crisis of any dimensions or any nature So to speak today on this priceless subject of the dimensions of the initiative of god to redeem mankind's authentic innocence it's just one of the most favorite focus points in the gospel in fact in the book of hebrews chapter one i might as well just read it to you i've got hebrews one um open right here so just just to introduce you to the fact that we are dealing with a very subject that sustains the authority of the throne of heaven and the more we understand and appreciate the authority of God's throne room the more it releases our minds from the theories and the doctrines that we have adopted and accumulated Over the years, to still have in the back of our minds, you know, a doomsday waiting for this old ugly world. You know, every idea of eschatology that does not conclude in the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 1 is in. Because the entire book of Revelation is the revelation of the Lamb of God victorious, the one who died and behold, I am alive, he says in John chapter 1. And so out of the living Lamb of God, we have such a strong foundation such a fundamental reference to the idea of forgiveness and unless we are sourcing our own ability to forgive those who have sinned against us in that it is going to be yet another futile attempt so let me just read to hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 from the mirror bible throughout ancient times god spoke in many fragments and glimpses of prophetic thought to our fathers now this entire conversation has finally dawned in sonship suddenly what seemed to be an ancient language falls fresh and new like the dew on the tender grass he is the sum total of every utterance of God he is whom the prophets pointed to and we are his immediate audience. Isn't it wonderful how the even the um, um, <coughs> authorized version says, in these last days, eschatos, he has spoken to us. We are the audience of God. God's eschatology has you in mind right now. I am not going to read through the commentary notes. You can go and read it. Um, Maybe, yes, just this word eschatos means extreme, last in time or space, the uttermost parts, the final conclusion. What, what God said about humanity in Jesus defines eschatology. Um, And I actually think that I have already tweaked this verse already in the later new translations. But verse 2 says, In a son God declares the incarnate word to be the heir of all things. He is after all the author of the ages. So just look at the context of God's, God's eschatos. In the context, He is the author of the ages. Um see John 1 2 the beginning mirrors the word face to face with God that the de- beginning declares the destiny of the word image and likeness would be mirrored and redeemed in incarnate human form also John verse 2 all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made sonship endorses heirship now verse 3 the Messiah message remember the prophetic word The Messiah message is what has been on the tip of the Father's tongue all along. Now, He is the crescendo of God's conversation with us and gives context and content content to the authentic prophetic thought. Everything that God had in mind for mankind is voiced in Jesus, He is God's language. He is the radiant and flawless mirror expression of the person of God. He makes the glorious intent of God visible and exhibits the character and every attribute of Elohim in human form. His being announces our redeemed innocence. Having accomplished purification for sins, He sat down enthroned in the boundless measure of his majesty in the right hand of god as his executive authority he is the force of the universe upholding everything that exists this conversation is the dynamic that sustains the entire cosmos so we find a conversation here in the beginning of hebrews that focuses our attention on our redeemed innocence the highest Value the highest price that could ever be attached to anything in the universe is your redeemed innocence. God values nothing more. So, for us to even touch on a study around the subject of forgiveness, it is so important to see it fitly um, engaged with the authentic idea of God. When God made mankind to exhibit image and likeness he always saw a relational context to image and likeness image and likeness was not just like a a a troop of soldiers just marching in rank you know and we've got thousands in this in this massive crowd of soldiers no no we are seeing a unique society of human lives entwined in relationship it's a relational thing from beginning to end Elohim said let us let us make man in our image and in our likeness and in that place of fellowship and communication and uh, conversation we were born out of that same conversation so I'm so happy today to announce to you a subject that celebrates the initiative of God. It celebrates the theme of salvation. Salvation was not to get a few of this lost people you know crawling around on planet earth a secure place in heaven one day so that some of them might make it while the multitudes will just burn in torment for the ages to come that has got nothing to do with the gospel the gospel is the revelation of your redeemed innocence it's valid now it's the only place that you can live from in fact i would like to take you to the book of luke in the in the mirror bible just uh, as as an offset here uh, just to begin, because you see over the years, sadly um, our religions and our especially our Christian religions, you know and 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 then our philosophies in our doctrines have adopted all kinds of theories around forgiveness you know the degree of your remorse how sorry you can be and and how in how much detail can you confess your sins so that there's not a little you know god is not one of these old bless their hearts catholic priests you know who have to listen to all the old sad stories you know please don't leave out the detail especially not the juicy bits you know god has absolute no interest in the detail of a story that drags you back into a past that jesus died for when paul sees this reality in 2 corinthians 5 14 he says the love of christ constrains me paul is not constrained by some other doctrine that he's trying to defend he says i'm constrained by the agape of christ why because i am convinced i love that place of conviction that strikes the heart god is not in doubt about you you know, we have adopted so many theories around, oh, it's good to be in doubt. No, it's not. It's dangerous to be in doubt. Doubt stuff that's wrong. But when you engage the gospel, engage it with all your heart. Paul says, I am convinced at if, this is so simple, a child can get it. Paul says, I'm convinced, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, that if one died for all, then all have died. There's a clean start. Mm. Death brought an end to everything that held you in its grips to declare you guilty and condemned and on your way to a doom. Everything that could possibly separate your mind from the oneness that you come from, that you were engaged in, in the conversation of God. Everything was dealt with on the cross. The Lamb was slain. The book of Revelation, please get it, it's a separate book as well um, um, on our mirror murder site, mirrorword.net, about the apocalypse. And it will revolutionize your thinking around the book of Revelation. It speaks about the, the, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the lion of Judah who took upon himself the frailty of our flesh the frailty of our condemned condition and allowed us to murder him and out of our in the genius of God our our crucifying Christ became the God's doorway into our deepest darkness and he took us out of that, he led us triumphantly as his trophies you shine as God's trophy in the throne room of heaven now, not one day when you finally get a few things straightened out in your doctrines and in your lives. Right now, humanity is the trophy of deity in the throne of God. No wonder Paul writes with such such confidence in, in um, uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. He says, since then you have been raised together with Christ. When did that happen, I may ask. Uh, let me just intercept you. Two, in, in, Philippi- in Ephesians 2 verse 5 and 6, Paul says, while we were still dead in our trespasses and Our sins, God co quickened us, co raised us, co elevated us, co seated us together with Christ. You don't get there eventually, that is where you are, whether you know it, believe it, or not. Mankind is fully represented in Christ right now in the heavenlies. So go back to Colossians chapter 3 says, Since then, not if question mark, if exclamation mark, you are raised together with Christ. Now engage your thoughts with throne room realities. Throne room realities. What is the throne all about according to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3? It is the place where Jesus is seated upon our redeemed innocence having made purifications for sins. He sat down. When Peter speaks in 2nd Peter chapter 1 about those precious, go and read it. You can buy the mirror Bible just for 2nd Peter chapter 1's sake. There's enough gospel in 2nd Peter chapter 1 to revolutionize your life forever. It's so beautiful. But Peter speaks about how God has Granted to us all things, everything that it takes to live life to the full is His gift to us. Now, gift language disarms and uh, puts puts reward language out of business. Religion thrives on reward language. Have you done enough restitution, brother? Are you sorry enough this time? You've just come through another 1st January. It's another new year. Would you, th- would you be able to carry your resolutions? You know, you've meant it so well last year and you messed up again halfway through the week. Now, let me tell you, we are dealing with the integrity of an authentic forgiveness that has got nothing to to do with some contribution of my side that I'm trying to just patch up, you know, the old relationships. No, we're dealing with something where innocence, innocence is celebrated as the, celebrated as the trophy of God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 says, He led us as, as His trophies in His triumphant resurrection. And if we were raised together with Christ while we were still in a mess, then Paul says, now engage your thoughts, Colossians chapter 3. Engage your thoughts. And Peter, just back to 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, He he gave us everything that it takes to live life to the, pool, to the full. God did not fall short from equipping you with everything that it takes to live life to the full. <laughs> he says, but in verse, I think it's verse 10 of 2 Peter 1, He says, but if we, if we uh, let me just read it to you because I want to get it right. Oh, my beautiful Jesus. Second um, uh, Peter chapter 1. Here it is. There's James, there's 1 Peter, oh, 1 Peter, 1 Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. I'll read you from verse 9. I just quoted verse 3, now verse 9 says, <coughs> verse 9, 2 Peter 1. If anyone feels that these things are absent in his life, they are not. <laughs> Spiritual blindness and short-sightedness only veil them from you. This happens when one loses sight of one's innocence. Do you know that is one of the most dangerous things that can happen to you at any point in your life? When you lose sight of your redeemed innocence when guilt becomes um, engaged again you see that the word satan satan satanos means accusation so when accusation finds a little glap and it slithers through into your consciousness then suddenly everything related to innocence is blurred again it's like and what happens when when you have a blurred relationship You you sacrifice romance. You sacrifice intimacy. You see, you can still sleep in the same bed. But if there's some little veil, you know, of guilt consciousness and stuff that's happened and stuff that I've allowed, then suddenly my innocence is blurred again. So this is why, you know, our, our, our nurturing, our embracing, our redeemed innocence becomes our most valuable asset in life. I promise you. Now let's go back. To um, the scriptures here, I was on my way to a beautiful scripture here in in in, in, um, in, in Luke. <clears throat> but I so enjoy the, the emphasis that Paul, oh yes, we, were, we weren't we finished yet with Colossians chapter 3. So it's just hanging there. If it goes a little bit this way, that way, don't worry. We, 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 we'll stick to the subject. And in Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, since then you are raised together with Christ. I know our translations say, if then you are raised together with Christ. And we've built wasted, wasted libraries of books on if. Oh yes, it's conditional. No, it's not. If is the word that Paul uses to bring conclusion to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The conclusion of His resurrection is the fact that mankind, without their permission, without their knowledge, without their belief, in the mind and in the faith of God, we were co-raised together with Christ. Otherwise, Jesus wasted their time on planet Earth. I'm speaking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They wasted their time. They should have just banged this um, table off the universe and started anew somewhere else. They did. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God gave evidence Of your redeemed innocence you see we cannot even begin to tamper with the idea of forgiveness until we understand the foundation of where our innocence stems from this is the beauty of the gospel so in Colossians 3 Paul then says since then we are raised he says set your mind upon the things that are where Above, above in what dimension are we talking geography? And no, not at all. We're not even talking altitude, we're just talking spirit dimension. Instead of engaging your thoughts with your guilt and going on another little guilt trip and going on another little accusation trip and going on another little trip. No, no, but I'm not gonna forgive you until you pay me back. You know, we've all lost money, we've lost millions through well-meaning people. You're not well-meaning people, people that deceived us like snakes, <laughs> and you know, and it's not easy when it comes to money. Did you say that's a brother forgive you it's not because it becomes such a plague in your mind when you hold on to it but he says then um, if we are raised together with christ set your mind upon the things that are above and not upon the things that are below there are only two systems throughout the scriptures a system that is run by the above thoughts the thoughts that faith inspires that revelation knowledge inspires or the thoughts that are inspired by my successes or my failures The same two principles. The moment I I hang on to my success as my savior, or my failure as my condemnation, then I'm in the same boat. Paul says, get out of that mindset. Engage your thoughts. Engage like you engage in the old days. I always tell a little story of our little Land Rover. Nineteen many years ago, my dad bought us a little Land Rover. We got stuck in a lagoon that was opening up in the ocean, and the tide was coming up, and we we couldn't get this this vehicle unstuck. And and a a gentleman came to help us. and thank God he didn't condemn the lander and says you should never have bought this make of model you should have bought another type of car or, or change the, the gearbox and no 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 he just noticed that because we were new at it we did not engage the 4x4 lever the moment he engaged the 4x4 lever we popped out of that that, that that situation and the, the, the adventure returns. So op- often in real life one gets stuck in situations because you do not realize how to engage your thoughts with throne room realities. You are equipped with everything that it takes to live life to the full. Don't become blurry eyed on your innocence. Don't forget what manner of man, of person you are because of His doing. We are in Christ because of God's doing. We don't get into Christ eventually, you know, when we've done enough stuff to finally, you know, qualify to be part of God's um, children. Oh, now I've also become... No, no, no. They are only... W- uh, one f- there is only one father and every, every idea we've had that everyone's not quite God's children yet no, no, no we are talking then Jesus calls him the father of lies how can a, an illegitimate father every claimed, ever claim true fatherhood over you so let's just get that out of the way there's only one father Abba Father n- nourishes us in our innermost being to draw us into the same fellowship of the father and the son where there's no accusation you know, when the prodigal returned, he didn't return to a father with a frown on his forehead, you know, okay, we'll just do the party thing now, because we've got to read the script, you know, the script says we've got to party and, and try and fake joy, <laughs> his father was cartwheeling, his father was dancing, oh my goodness, my son was dead, he's alive, you see, he's just a picture of the death that Jesus died and brought us back in his resurrection life, the older brother or the other brother who's that sulking outside is a typical picture of religion, religion would always sulk, you know, they you, oh, you know what? But oh, I says, you know what the father does, pleading with the other brother. He says, "My son, you've always been with me, and all that I have is yours." Go not check it out. It's in Luke fifteen. All that I have is yours. You've always been with me. So the father so desires for us to come and participate again in the joy of the celebration of innocence. You know, uh, uh, James, the younger brother of Jesus, writes in James chapter one that we can hear the word of truth what is the word of truth oh how big my sins are how bad i've messed up this time no that's not the truth the truth as it is in christ is your innocence on exhibit the document the the receipt of your your complete redeemed innocence is is the unveiling of truth now if any man hears this word it's like seeing the face of his birth as in a mirror James uses such beautiful language he says come on when you hear this word remember he says in verse 17 of James chapter 1 that he's the father of lights with whom there's no variableness there's no shadow there's no hidden agenda God's not sitting up there you know waiting to say okay let's get the good stuff over and done with but now we're going to get to the core of this conversation and we're going to show you how condemned and filthy you are no 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 he says I'm talking about the father of lights it's impossible for the father of lights to carry a uh, 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 sweet and sour water it's it's, it's the father of lights he's, he's the god of love he loves he only loves you unconditionally there's nothing in god's heart that is not agape so in that context he says he brought forth, egeneto is the Greek word, our birth, he birthed us through the word of truth, now James says, if we hear the word, it is like seeing the face of our birth as in a mirror, he says, but for the one, it's it seems too good to be true, and he goes back, where does he go back to, to his old way of seeing himself, so if he sees, he sees himself guilty, or he sees his neighbor guilty, then he goes back into that rut, and he lives from that place of accusation and guilt, and it's a constant tension between the two, and you've got a constant Weigh up the odds. How are we going to treat this one? How will I be treated by that one? You see, we've been so indoctrinated by so many lies from the holy scriptures. A lot of holes in those scriptures, you know, if those are our doctrines. In 2 Corinthians 5, just to jump back there, when Paul says the love of Christ constrains me because I'm convinced that if one died for all, then all have died. Where do you get that from, Paul? From the mind of God, from the belief of God. Ephesians 4 says there is only one faith. Not that we all or ten million other people believe, and over the life, uh, over the years, adopted through doctrines and stuff that we've we've had to try and defend or or um, uh, uh, attach ourselves values to. No, no, he says there's only one faith. And in two Corinthians five or sixteen, he says therefore, from now on two Corinthians 5, 16, if one died for then all died. Therefore says Paul. Therefore, 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 from now on we no longer know anything from a human point of view, according to the flesh. Set your mind upon the things that are above and not upon the things that are on this flesh realm but it's all performance-based performance-based living puts the puts the strain on living it's like trying to to drive your fantastic brand new four by four but the handbrake is on and it works and you've got this handbrake on and you're going uphill all the time it's because our minds have Trapped us in a mindset of darkness and of accusation. But when we engage our thoughts with throne room realities, from now on we no longer know anyone or anything according to the flesh, even though we once knew Christ historically. We know Him thus no longer. Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the word therefore means I'm link- linking it to this conversation. The if is not a condition, it's a conclusion. And the conclusion is glorious. It's the adventure of life to begin to live in a place and from a place of innocence. It's the greatest adventure adventure of life i want to go to luke chapter 5 um, <coughs> i hope there's still time to go for that I, I didn't keep any reference to the clock but i'm sure we will squeeze in enough of this beautiful gospel in the slot that we do have but in luke chapter 5 oh yeah we might as well start no 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 was it luke 5 or let me just see where no. Okay. Okay, wait. <laughs> yeah, I might as well go to Luke 5. I'll get back to Luke 11. Remind me if I forgot it. But in Luke chapter 5, there are two amazing um, in, in, in incidents that, that Luke records here. Do you know that Luke mentions the word, the noun, forgiveness? More than all the other writers combined, I'm not speaking about the verb to forgive. That's that's mentioned a lot by many, and also by Luke. But Luke's uh, uh, one of his favorite subjects is the idea of forgiveness. It begins in chapter one already with John the Baptist, you announcing the forgiveness of sins. Anyway, anyway, what I want to go to here is here we find um, Jesus meeting Peter, and you remember that I won't read all the all the detail. I just want to read you there um, from verse one says the crowds were pressing upon him to get close enough to hear him teach the word of God. He was standing on the edge of the shore of Gennesaret <coughs> and there were two boats lying against the shore. Seafolk, the sea folk had already gone out to wash their fishing nets. Jesus then stepped into the boat belonging to Simon and asked him to row out a little from the land. Then he sat down and continued teaching from the boat. <laughs> when he paused his teaching, he asked Simon to take them into deep water where they could let down the net for a catch. You see, Jesus is a very, very good fisherman himself <laughs> because he calls us fishers of men. And he uses, he tricks Simon into a situation where this man's been toiling all night. Uh, That's all part of the detail. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, This man was toiling. Him and his buddies working for his buddy's father. uh, They were... um, uh, sons sons of the thunder the, his nickname was Mr. Thunder and in Afrikaans you've seen Mr. Thunder it's quite a harsh name to call somebody but so so he, was, he wasn't He was a very kind easy man working for so yeah, they were toiling all night not as a first off you know let's adventure just go try and catch some fish tonight this was they made their living by it they were they were they were doing this Every night that they could possibly go out to sea, they'd go out to sea with great expectation. But this particular night, they... Took nothing. And now they're busy washing their nets. And gosh, what happens? A crowd of Jews, hungry Jews arrive on the sea. They feel even more terrible that they've got nothing to show for all their hard labor, for all their toil. They have nothing to show, nothing to sell. So they're even mumbling and even more grumpy about the whole deal. You know, we've wasted a night. You know, we could have slept in a little bit. Now we've wasted, busy cleaning their nets. And Jesus sees an opportunity and he engages Simon's boat and he's got Simon with him in the boat and he teaches and something about the teaching of Jesus wakes sleepy Simon up I mean, the man sitting there, the last thing he wants right now is a sermon, you know, or some kind of religious conversation. The man's the man, sailors invent their own language, you know, and he's like grumping under his breath. Whatever I am, he's stuck in this boat with this man, this rabbi, and now he hears a word. You know, he hears a word, and Luke tells us that the effect of the word changed Simon's mind because Jesus the carpenter now preacher tells the fishermen that they should go out and let down the nets he's just washed them he's just spent an entire night doing it his way and it didn't work but something in the word that Jesus spoke arrested his attention and they did go out and they lowered the nets and you know what happened they had to whistle and shout to their buddies and say, come and help us. The buddies couldn't believe their eyes. In the same water where they proved to themselves there are no more fish. You know, it's maybe, you know, the, the situation has changed ecologically. And there are no more fish in this dam. You know, we There's this you know, just Suddenly the nets. And, you know, when Jews tie nets together, they make it strong enough for the biggest catch they could imagine. And here they catch an even bigger catch bigger than what they've ever dreamt of their nets were tearing they had to bring in the other boats and load it and you know the strange thing that i want to bring your attention to is that here peter sits with eyes going like this he's never seen anything like it i mean they're going out the wrong time they the fishermen they know when to go this is the wrong time of the day you go at night you don't go this is and but something happens here you see there's another dimension that i want to introduce you to there's another dimension to live your life by you don't set your mind upon the things that are above and not upon the things that I mean you can hear wonderful philosophies and wonderful psychologies around the subject of forgiveness but until you engage your thoughts with the dimension of where you come from what Jesus accomplished to redeem your innocence you will just walk the same old routine again and again like Israel saved from Pharaoh but stuck for a whole generation in the same old wilderness just lapping the same route you don't have to go to that routine ever again these Egyptians who we see today God spoke to Moses remember when, when suddenly they heard the, the old uh, familiar sounds of the chariots chasing them down into the flooded liver he says these Egyptians that you see today you will never see again isn't that a word from the Lord for you right now don't entertain your Egyptians your old slavery mentalities and just kind of delay it. oh it's going to happen again tomorrow I know because we we'll all remain sinners yes this, the cross was rather a failure so we've got to add our philosophies to just give more substance to our experience you know because we're not going to live in victory victory is for a few saints that's maybe already passed off to heaven but here on planet earth we'll remain ugly dirty old sinners will have to deal with the same crap every day no 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 jesus jesus brings him to a place a dimension of seeing differently of seeing differently and here instead of simon saying jesus what are you doing tonight We've never had such a catch before. Would you mind joining us again? Let's repeat this. No, no. Simon has already made up his mind that the reason for not catching any fish last night was the Jewish way of karma. You know, I was just paying for last week's or yesterday's sins. Or you maybe something that some, we did a month ago. I remember there was something. Oh my goodness, we did something terrible. And now we're going to get punished for that. So now we've paid. We have paid with our labour our striving we took nothing but the only way we could justify wasting a night was the fact that we are now balancing the scales of heaven again we have now labored enough we have toiled enough we have took nothing to show all we can show is our sweat and so by the sweat of our brow we have worked for us we've worked ourselves innocent again now we've paid for that sin that caused us not to catch any fish you see now we've paid for it now we're on level grounds again Do you know what Simon says? To Jesus, he says it almost in that many words. He says, "Jesus, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, and I'm more comfortable dealing and managing my sinfulness than sitting and watching you come here and and, and embarrass me with the largeness of this gift." You see, we've become so attached to our doctrines that we fight for the right. We write libraries of books to flood the Christian market with our ideas based on our experience when there's a gospel to be preached, when there's a good news to be preached. This gospel puts any idea of eschatology that still delays doomsday to another day out of business because the gospel is the truth of what already happened to the human race when one has died for all. And He's taken upon Himself the sins of the world. John the Baptist in one inspiring moment said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, until we see the sin of the world not put on ice, not put on hold, but taken out of the equation, we do not understand the gospel. The essence of the dimension of the gospel is the fact. Okay, unfortunately... um, I pressed the wrong button when the phone began to ring and so I I carried on preaching and all of that didn't record but I want to catch up again on where we've left you uh, in Luke chapter 5 remember we were looking at Peter and how um, he was embarrassed about catching such an incredible large catch such a haul of fish and um, Instead of him breaking forth in joy for for this gift, you know, he struggled to overcome the um, philosophy that that he's clung to for all his life under the Jewish influence, the Jewish typical belief, you know that. Um, according to Deuteronomy 28, you know, which is completely outdated now in the New Testament. Oh, you know that the, uh, these good things will follow you if you do good, and these bad things will follow you if you don't do that good. And suddenly, Jesus dismantles His, dismantles his entire philosophy by blessing Him in such abundance that they, their nets were tearing. They had to bring in their partners to help them take this whole out. So, <clears throat> in the same chapter of 5, Luke, we find another very interesting incident, and I'll just briefly touch on that as we continue with our teaching on forgiveness. Remember, we have mentioned that very important verse in Second Peter chapter 1, in first of all, in verse 3, where Peter says, He granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The mirror reads, He has given us everything that it takes to live life. To the full and nine verse nine Peter says but whoever lacks these things if it's possible that you find well you know maybe I stood back in the road too far and and I didn't get everything that that person or this person got you know you got absolutely everything because your measure is Christ according to the measure you remember um, is it Romans 5 verse um, <clears throat> Uh, sorry Romans Romans uh, uh, Ephesians 4 verse 7 Ephesians 4 verse 7 Paul says that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of the what my performance I deserve a little bit better or maybe I deserve a little bit less he says no according to the measure of the gift of Christ you see when we begin to underline those little words the gift he granted to us then it takes religion out of the equation performance is suddenly out of business because we were given a measure in Christ Jesus according to that measure so Peter says then in verse 9 he says whoever lacks these things you know I've obviously just done the calculation I said yeah, if if anyone feels that these things are absent in his life they are not spiritual blindness and short-sightedness only veil them from you. You see, a condition that, we are, that we've that we adopted in our minds can veil dynamic truth from us because we've become so attached often. You know, we've, we've I, I know in psychology, you know, there's often these long drawn-out courses on how to deal with your hurts and your hang-ups and how to deal, and then it takes years and years and years to work through all the detail of your horrid uh, past, you know, and of all the hurts that you've had to, accumulate in this time and so you get to forgive the person marginally but then you know you've got to work through the whole system again and it keeps people dr- drifting through the same wilderness of slavery enslaved to all the habits of feeling resentment and feeling remorse towards this person or that person so that every time I see that person the whole thing reawakens and re- re- resurrects in my mind again he says if anyone feels it's a short-sightedness that veils them from us why because we've lost sight of our innocence and I've written here in the margin (coughs) spiritual reality suddenly seem vague and distant become acquainted with your innocence become acquainted with your innocence. This is what this teaching is all about. To acquaint you with an innocence that is more valid than any excuse we could ever have to uh, go back into resentment and go back into unforgiveness. Forgiveness is the fruit of something that happened in Christ Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is no other way to behold the book of Revelation for that matter. Because if I still behold the book of Revelation as coming judgment, I've missed the complete point of the gospel. In the eschatos of God, we read it earlier, in the eschatology of God, we have encountered the the, 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 the sonship that Jesus unveils That where the fullness of the Godhead is on exhibit the character of God is on display and having made purification for sins why did Jesus in the flesh incarnate do what he did to bring an end to whatever it was that corrupted our thinking and our romance with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit he came to take it out of the way so that our 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 innocence may be celebrated Our redeemed innocence may be celebrated on a daily basis Now let's just quickly get on here with Luke chapter 5 And I'm reading to you from verse 15 His fame escalated even more dramatically Great multitudes crowded together to hear him And be healed of their infirmities <coughs> and he, But he would often retire secretly Verse 16 into a remote area in prayer. Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus didn't do the magic one thing and just, okay, right, you know, today's going to be a healing day. We're going to heal 1500 people or 10 people. And then, you know, no, no, his ministry. So often we look at his ministry and we look at the spectacular, you know, the, 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 the preaching, the teaching, the healings. And then, of course, he had his prayer life and then he had his social life, you know, but this is a teaching for another time. But right here we are in verse 17 of Luke chapter five. Then one day while he was teaching the following dramatic incident, Happened. There were Pharisees and scholars of the law also sitting in his audience. It's amazing how he had this mixed audience, you know. The people that were just gobsmacked with wow, wow, and we've never heard anything like this, you know. And they and it's like, like they, they just couldn't wait to just hear more and draw more and witness more of the spectacular ministry of Jesus. But the guys with the frowns on the foreheads, you know, didn't quite always fit into their their paradigm, especially if you did things on the Sabbath. But Because the Sabbath was what their entire religion was all about. There are some of their children still today in both both the Jewish and the Christian circles, you know, that that go bananas about the Sabbath. I want you to understand that Jesus is the Sabbath of God. He is the one who celebrates God's Sabbath. You know what God's Sabbath was all about way back in Genesis chapter 1? He saw everything that He had made. And behold, it was very good. When God beholds you, His Sabbath rest inspires Him. And He invites us to see what he sees in you the moment the artist puts his brush down signs his name he looks back stands back and adores the the art god adores what he has captured in your person in your personality in who you are and he celebrates you sabbath is the celebration of god's perfection god did not grow weary or exhausted so that even god needed a bit of a break no sabbath is not some rest that god had to enter into just because he was so tired of doing what he did no no sabbath is the celebration of perfection behold it is very good and we're touching on a gospel that celebrates the Goodness of God on display in your redeemed identity and your redeemed innocence and your redeemed royalty, you may co reign together with Christ over every lie that had in, in, inhibited you and snared you into living a lesser life, the a lesser than the life of your design. So he says here the Pharisees, the scholars were all of the law were all sitting there in his audience. You know, they were just scrutinizing what's happening. Along with the people coming from every village in Galilee and Judea, as well as the outskirts of Jerusalem, the very atmosphere was charged with the presence of the Lord to heal. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus's presence and in His teaching, in what He proclaimed, brought about an atmosphere. And I want to encourage you. You know, we said it, it's pretty hot. Yes, I've got a fan going. I don't know whether you can hear I've got a little fan going. We don't have aircon here, but we've got a little fan going. It keeps me cool. Now listen, if a fan or an air conditioner can change the atmosphere in a stuffy room, how much more can our conversation change the conversation in a situation on Facebook, wherever you find yourself. When you begin to, to radiate the reality of Christ the reality of the gospel the the relevance of of Jesus' presence in this situation. Anyway, so we read in verse, verse 18 of Luke 5, Meanwhile, there were people desperately trying to get into the house where Jesus was teaching. They were carrying a man on a bed who suffered from severe convulsions that left him paralyzed. If only they could get him close to where Jesus was teaching. But because of the crowd, they were unable to. And then in verse 19, Luke writes, Then having no alternative, they got onto the roof and proceeded to break the roof open by taking the tiles off and then lowering him down on his bed, to exactly where Jesus was now I want you to just stand back a little bit let's just read the commentary note here because I bring it out in the commentary note I want you to picture the scene I mean here's a here's a gedunte going on I mean sorry there's an Afrikaans word for there's some 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 um, dramatic thing happening right now on on the roof of the house and um, it was apparently Peter's house I write in the comment according to Mark 2 verse 1 Jesus and everyone in the house I mean, Peter's just witnessed the miracle, you know, of the catch earlier on, you know, that week, perhaps or a few days ago. And now Jesus in his house and and, and the crowds are just uh, flowing into that house and they're filling up the space. And, and, and here they're busy breaking down Peter's roof. Now, why didn't Jesus just interrupt the procedure and say, guys, please don't damage the roof. I'll, I'll just quickly, you know, do a quick trick and, and, and heal the man. You know, I, I can see your faith. <laughs> no, listen, listen to this. Listen, it's a setup. <clears throat> Uh, Jesus and everyone in the house obviously heard the noise and witnessed the commotion. That's the gedoente. They witnessed the commotion. Now, why didn't Jesus interrupt their efforts and spared the house from being damaged by them with the simple magic one type of healing? He saw a strategic opportunity to use this dramatic event to powerfully reinforce the essence of his mission. And what was that? Which was to dismantle the entire sin consciousness currency of the religious system of the day. And sadly, it's still the same currency today. The sin consciousness currency is what gives religion its muscle over a mass of people. Listen to this verse 20. And when Jesus saw their faith, isn't it interesting that faith becomes visible? when, when, When people's faith is ignited by what they have heard, what they have witnessed. Something leaps within you and faith becomes a dynamic that converts your mind from a place of just neutral zone, just going with a flow to a wow, an expectation that this is about to change. And listen to this. Jesus saw their faith and He said to the man, Your sins are forgiven. Oh, wow. I wrote in the, in, in the commentary <laughs> He just pulled the religious rug out from under their favorite philosophy's feet Suddenly the Pharisees and law professors felt very vulnerable their entire leverage over people is in question. Sin consciousness is their currency. Remember Simon's response earlier in the chapter, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Jesus deliberately dismantles this idea. Innocence is our design. This is even before the cross. Remember, this is early on, Luke chapter 5. It's long before Jesus' uh, death on the cross. You know, he's already dismantling their philosophy, the very basis upon which they have built their religion. Ha. Huh. In order to persuade the human race, Jesus was en route to give mankind the largest possible platform in the universe to to exhibit their authentic worth and reclaim their innocence in His death as our death and in His resurrection as our resurrection. This is so powerful i mean the, the next verse says this triggered immediate controversy the law professors and pharisees in the house were perplexed and whispered under their breath this is blasphemy who does this man think he is surely only god has power to forgive sins <laughs> what is this that you're reasoning in your hearts you see when we begin to understand that the place that forgiveness of sins has in god's economy then we begin to appreciate with all of our being what God's um, redeemed innocence in us releases. A place of romance, a place of intimacy, a place of, of relational oneness where, we, where it's nothing that disturbs the situation that God has um, brought about in, in his mighty, amazing genius. I want you to turn with me now to Luke chapter 11, because it's so important that we look at the Lord's prayer in context. So I just want to um, uh, possibly round round up the the, the the teaching with this thought. I'm not quite sure how far we're going to go with this, but this is this is now reading from 11, uh, uh, Luke chapter 11. Um, we spoke about Jesus' prayer life and, 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 and now here in verse 1 He was praying in a certain place. Um, Luke, Luke mentions this quite often but here in verse, chapter 11 verse 1 He says He was praying in a certain place and when He paused one of His disciples asked Him to teach them to pray just like John taught His followers. Now I want you to just listen to this commentary here. Imagine how loaded Jesus' prayer was with the content and focus of His mission. Luke mentioned Christ's praying much more frequently than any of the others. He tells us in Luke 3, 21, when he was baptized, he was praying. Luke for lots of references there that you can look at. Uh, verse 2, he said, now Jesus is responding. They said, Lord, teach us to pray, just like John taught his disciples. So Jesus said, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name is to be celebrated as holy by all creation. Your kingdom is present. Ooh, ha. you can go and read the commentary yourself let me read verse 3 sustain us daily with the gift of the prophetic bread that was to come whoa, 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 whoa. a completely different teach, uh, 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 teaching for another day but I'll just quickly read to you just to keep the context uh, The the uh, i just explain why it is translated like this we, I, we know the Lord's prayer give us this day our daily bread sustain us daily with the gift Of the prophetic bread that was to come. Let's look at it in the Greek. This bread is a gift. It's not the bread we labor for. See John 4.35. The bread we labor for. We give it four months to ripen. Jesus is lift up your eyes. And I want to show you a harvest that is already ripe. Outside of your labor. Outside of your waiting for another day. He was speaking about the single grain. A single grain of wheat that died. And it sprang up in the resurrection to give much bread, much life to all. So the the adjective, epiosion, to be at hand, tomorrows. The adjective, epiosion, is to be at hand, tomorrows. The adjective form of this word is used only here and again in Matthew's rendering of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6 verse 11. Ton arton ton emu ton epiousion dos himin semeron. Give us tomorrow's bread today. Now listen. You have to understand that in the context we've read it earlier on in this teaching in Hebrews chapter 1, those first three verses in many and various ways God did what? He prophesied, He spoke of old to the Jewish fathers concerning this day and the eschatology of God was pointing to I am the bread of life. You see the tomorrow's bread was the prophetic word of the Messiah, the incarnation. Every time we eat a meal we we celebrate the incarnation. It's the incarnation of life. And so we are celebrating the incarnation of the bread, the prophetic word that was made flesh. So we are we are talking about sorry I just okay. <clears throat> Tomorrow's bread, the prophetic bread of life, like the manna in the wilderness. See Revelation 2.17. Feast on the revelation of the hidden manna in the in the ark. Uh, this prophetically pointed to the Messiah. The mystery that was hidden for ages and generation is Christ in you. Jesus communicates the idea of bread that we didn't labor for. He had no other bread in mind. He treated you gently in the wilderness of your unbelief and fed your hunger there with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you known, make you know that man does not live by the bread of their own labor, but that the life of our design hungers to be completely sustained by the word which proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord, Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Luke then also uses the feminine singular part, participle of the same word, he epiusa. See Acts 7 26, extra, every time, meaning the next day. In all these references, where Luke uses it, one, two, three, four, five different places in the book of Acts. He uses it exactly the same, referring to the next day. Give us tomorrow's bread now. So the prayer is, Father, I want to feast on the manna that you promised our fathers. I want to feast on the incarnation revelation. I want to feast on all that you fulfilled in Christ. That brings us, um, I've also got a, a, a note here that says, see my notes. On understanding the significance of meals In the New Testament context At the end of Luke chapter 11 That brings us to verse 4 of Luke chapter 11 Look at this We are back on our subject of forgiveness Oh that your forgiveness of our sins May be fully realized So Everyone indebted to us May also know That we have released them from their obligations to us. Father, You know us inside out. Free us thoroughly from any any hidden alliance with the old system of performance-based living. Free us thoroughly from any hidden alliance with the old system of performance-based living. In my commentary note I say The word translated forgive is the word Afes Which is the hearest active imperative Of Afiemi From Apu away from And the AMI, An intensive form of AMI, I am Thus forgiveness is in essence A restoring to your True I amness." <laughs> the injury Insult, shame Hostility or guilt would no longer define the individual. Are you hearing me? <laughs> my Jesus! On our website, mirrorword.net, under home, I've got frequently asked questions. And please go there and read why, my, my use of the uh, etymology. Um, so that you can just understand and appreciate why I do that with the mirror Bible. I've been crucified a few times by some very well-meaning, precious friends that, that say, "No, no, no, you know, it's it's fallacy, you know." Uh, you know, I believe that words evolve. Obviously, words evolve in time, but we're dealing with old text here, and so many treasures are hidden in the individual components of the Greek word and also in the, in the Hebrew. But uh, uh, just, just just bear with me. The word forgiveness, in, in its essence, speaks of moving away from our true I amness so whatever it is that we've embraced in unforgiveness in, in whatever the, the, the excuse we may hang on to for feeling bitter towards somebody embittered and defeated and and perhaps things that happened years and years and years ago when, when when I was so abused and I've held on to the memory of that that what whatever it was forgiveness breaks that bond so that I move away from that which defined me under that condition so I can again discover my true I amness redeemed in Christ. So let's just read this again. So the injury, insult, shame, hostility, or guilt would no longer define the individual. The aorist active imperative tense means to get it over and done with immediately. Isn't it wonderful how the Greek tenses helps us to understand. We couldn't translate this, or we don't have this in English, but in the Greek tenses it comes out so so beautifully. To do so without delay is what it means. Forgiveness is a non-negotiable. So in Jesus' teaching on prayer, he emphasizes the importance of praying from a place of innocence. Isn't that wonderful? Praying from a place of innocence. The word forgiveness occurs in Luke more frequently than in any other New Testament of the writers combined. Uh, used in medical language of the relaxation of disease, this is Vincent's comment. Amazing how uh, how connected forgiveness is with one's total well-being. This is why I value this conference that uh, Mike put together because there's such a, a an amazing medicine in discovering a forgiveness that is authentic that carries. to restore relationship. See also Colossians 3 verse 13. Um, This is all part of my commentary note here in in Luke chapter 11 verse 4. Upholding one another in positive expectation. If anyone finds fault with another, restore that person to favor. Remembering how the Lord's forgiveness has transformed our lives. and then uh, I've got a little note here also on lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This sounds like God had temptation on today's agenda for you. But if you pray this prayer, then maybe he'll change his mind. <laughs> Imagine we have to now pray, oh, give us today that daily bread. And then and then, um, lead us not in temptation. As if, you know, uh, we're going to have to convince God that just give us a day off. Just give us a day off with, with your mind. The, the to lead in this sentence is the Greek word Pharaoh to carry inward, to reach within. And temptation is the word perazzo to test, to test through piercing, to examine closely. From pera to pierce, a test to determine the hidden value of something. Also from the word peras, which means to of which speaks of extremity or the furthest boundary. James one thirteen says clearly that God tempts no one. <laughs> Do not say I am scrutinized by God when you feel enticed. He is not in the teasing business. Evil offers no attraction to God for God to be be tempted by it. Neither is He experimenting with your design. God cannot be both the source of light and darkness. Every temptation is an attempt of darkness to intercept the light. And in verse 17 of James chapter 1, He says, He is the Father of lights with whom there is no shadow due to change. There is no hidden agenda. Uh, The deliverance from evil, poneros, is the intent of the sentence the hidden alignments to the law of works will not be found within me. Listen to this. Giving evil a foothold, as it were, the word poneros, translated evil, means full of hardships, annoyances and labors. It sounds like the wrong tree to me. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation, the, 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 the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of poneros, hard work, my own labor, my own mind, my own muscle trying to free me from, from whatever it was that I needed to be freed from, my own effort to forgive, because your own effort will disappoint. And so he says, I want to free you from that, that subtle alliance. I'll just read it again in the text of verse 4 free us thoroughly from any hidden alliance with the old system of performance based living, so to be free from evil is to be free from that performance based lifestyle right Okay. my Lord, so we we have a beautiful um, uh, conclusion here to our teaching on forgiveness, which brings us to to um, to how our i amness our true identity often becomes so snared in in a, in a mindset of holding on to reasons to not release an individual but if we birth and 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 marinate our our prayer life in the revelation of our innocence, in the revelation of our redeemed oneness, then it makes forgiveness just like breathing. It's breathing in, breathing out. It's, a, it's just the most natural thing because we, our hearts are focused on a place in relational realities that far outweighs any excuse we could have of the burden of unforgiveness still to be carried by us. Okay, I'm, I'm sure we are almost through. I just want to remind you again, I think we touched on it earlier on in James chapter 1 where he speaks about um, uh, if anyone hears this word, we've just looked at the Father of lights who gave birth to us by the word of truth. Now James says if anyone hears this word, it is like seeing the face of your birth as in a mirror. You see, unless we see ourselves the way God has always seen us, we cannot celebrate the Sabbath of God with God because then we always see flawed with with, with blurry eyes. And you know what he says? James says it so beautifully in James chapter 1 from verse 23 to 25. You can just go and read it there. He says, Both of two people may hear and for the one it just seems too good to be true. So what does he do? He goes back. He departs. He goes back to his old way of seeing himself. He's been so uh, attached to this old way of seeing myself you know I've been abused as a youngster I've been this and that and this one has been and I've got lists of things that people have done me wrong by and I allow those things to remain the dominant or the prevalent uh, 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 conversation but he says man don't forget he says when you do that when you go back to your old conversation because the conversation starts here in your mind what happens Uh, James chapter 1 23 he says you immediately forget what manner of person you are. Now If forgiveness is restoring me to my true I amness. This is why it's so vital to understand my innocence redeemed in Christ. And as I hide in that innocence, I, I remember what manner of person I am. Instead of walking away like the ugly duckling, you know, seeing this beautiful swan and thinking, no, this is just too good to be true. It can't be me. And I go back to the old way of seeing myself and speaking about me and speaking about my situation. And, you know, who, who's got a ready ear so I can tell you my story. And we've got all these pity parties going, you know. You think you've got a bad Story, let me tell you my story, and so it's all constantly comparing stories, you know, as if there's some redemption and virtue in it. It's a way, and we think, Oh, I'm just gonna be very vulnerable and just allow you to yet all the sad. No, 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 you are going in the wrong direction, you forget what manner of person you are by his doing by His doing, go and read 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 again, especially in the mirror Bible, what we are by His doing, how righteous, how innocent we are, by His doing, by God's doing, are we in Christ, and He became to us our righteousness, our innocence, our sanctification, everything we couldn't do with our own ability, He did and accomplished for us, so when we see that in James 1, we, we often read that and say, we immediately forget what manner of person we are, let me suggest to you, if you could immediately forget, you might as well immediately, remember we give so much value to the reason why I am in this state of misery, you can immediately move out of that come on if I can immediately forget how much more can I immediately remember and that's why we have a conversation going that gives us a, a place of faith where we can draw confidence where we can feel edified and enlightened we we don't want to talk so at the end of the day everyone's feeling in a b- d- bigger pity party than what they did before in a deeper hole but we've got a place of faith where we communicate strength that which builds up and edifies our being and renews our minds to to, to co-appreciate all that given to us in Christ Jesus and this is a place of wonder it's a place of being totally overwhelmed and amazed with the beauty of what the what the future holds for us today and tomorrow in the adventure of living in the reality of our innocence and I just want to close off with 1 John 1 9 because we you know I'm, I'm sure it's, it's been Touched on in this conference as well, but I'm so closer I think it's just the next page here, and um, we've 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 known one John one nine for many years. You know, if we, if we um, uh, confess our sins, God is faithful and He will forgive us. All right, let's just let's just close with that. Then then we through. Uh, it's so beautiful the whole entire first chapter of John. In fact, they, uh, I've got the five chapters of one John in the Mirror Bible, and and and, and I, I won't I won't to keep you long at all. Um, Oh my Jesus, John writes so beautifully, he says, What we enjoy equally belongs to you. Um, I would have liked to read it to you because I have I've actually... Oh, no, there won't be... I'm, I'm, I'll just read you verse, verse 7 because I, I've, I've retweaked some of those verses and we will shortly bring a live blog onto our website where the the verses that I regularly retweak as I continue to cross reference, you know, and, and, and work on, on new stuff. And, and I will make these available so that people can just download them from the web and follow and follow these tweaks. But um, this is still an old Bible. I think this is the eighth edition, and I've got the tenth edition printed in South Africa here, which is slightly thinner paper and and better bound. But the, uh, I think in the future we'll we'll keep it more to separate books and keep it smaller. But that's not for now. So so first um, I'll just read to you. Remember, John. John says I'm writing this so that I, because I want to invite you into into our joy. I so wish I can quickly find this for you. Um, on the screen because it is it is so powerful where um, I've just done it the other day We've just touched on one John I know we want to rush through this and I won't keep you long but here's something that you'll really enjoy uh, we have a bunch of people who help us with translating the Mirror Bible in other languages and I regularly send to them these tweaks and, and updates and and um, uh, these are the ones w- that we want to make available to the public as well, so that you can access it on our website. We'll keep you posted on that. We're busy t- trying to get our website up to standard so that we could do these things there. Okay, so here we go to one John. I'm just building up to verse nine where, where John writes, "If we um, uh, confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us these sins." we're just, we're just rounding off the, the, the thought of forgiveness so that you can get it in beautiful context. So here we've got one, John, and he says, um, "I'll just read you. Huh? I'll just read this to you from verse one. The logos is the source. Everything commences in him." The initial reports concerning Him that have reached our ears and which we indeed bore witness to with our own eyes to the point that we became irresistibly attracted now captivate our gaze in Him we witness the tangible life in its most articulate form Can you imagine witnessing tangible life the life of your design articulated in your person Now And the word to touch is the word psalo, to touch the string of a musical instrument. That's where the word resonance comes from. Now look at verse 2. The same life that was face to face with the Father from the beginning has now dawned on us. The infinite life of the Father became visible before our eyes in a human person. And, and beautiful there I won't go into the commentary there now but verse 3 we include you in this conversation isn't it beautiful I know people get hung up on the Bible and it's, no no unless I read it with an understanding that I participate in a conversation that was before time was the book will completely lose its relevance I encourage you to study the mirror Bible because page after page after page is just bursting with revelation that will ignite your spirit with a relevance of this conversation. Now we're back to 1 John 1 verse 3. We include you in this conversation. You are the immediate audience of the logic of God. This is the word that always was. We saw Him incarnate and witnessed His language as defining our lives. What did we say? Forgiveness was again, breaking away from the shame and the guilt that tried to define us in the con- in the conflict situations, in the crisis that we had to struggle through and here we are we're dealing with with our with the language that defines our lives in the incarnation, Jesus includes mankind in the eternal friendship of the Father and the Son. This life now finds expression in unreserved union. We do not invent fellowship, I wrote in the note. We are invited into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. Now verse 4, John says, my heart is bursting with joy as I write this epistle the thought of you reading these words completes my delight oh, many times when i write a new verse you know I, I can't wait to just share it because i so i get so encouraged that i get the most beautiful letters and feedback from friends all over the world and we weep when we read this because we so many of these Little words were discovered in the middle of the night or in odd places where we've traveled. And and, and our, our longing, I said, identify with John, you know, how his heart's bursting with joy at the thought of someone reading these words and you sitting there where you are right now in your situation, I encourage you to tap into Holy Spirit bursting from your lungs, bursting from your innermost being, allowing the joy of the Lord to show you how innocent you are, how valued you are right now. Let's just read here. He says, My heart is bursting with joy as I write this epistle. The thought of you reading these words completes my delight. Okay, it's an interesting comment here, which I'll just read. The reading, Hemun, Our Joy, is preferred over human your joy since John's own joy would be incomplete unless his readers shared it whereas copyists ins- insensitive to such a nuance would have been likely to alter it and that's exactly what happened so many times all over scripture where copyists because we're not sitting with the original text and i i studied Bruce Metzger's commentary under uh, 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 um, as one of the commentaries that I and Bruce, Bruce Metzger has got a very interesting, and obviously you don't agree with everything, but there's such insights that you gain from these wonderful scholars over the years who've studied the variants, the variant texts, and, and, and brought out their reasoning why this text should be that or this. And here we're dealing with John's joy. We're dealing with John's joy here. Oh my goodness, listen to this. So Bruce Metzger, in his textual commentary writes, um, they, they they would have, uh, copiers would have been insensitive to the nuance of... Um, reading your joy instead of um, our joy, uh, reading our joy is preferred over your joy. Since John's own joy would be incomplete unless his readers shared it, so that's just wonderful, wonderful. Um, this I've tweaked this and changed this in the in the latest. Um, Uh, mirror that would be available on the app and wherever and um, we've had a big problem with the app recently apparently people couldn't buy it for the last two months we've hardly sold any been a problem somewhere with with the technical guys are trying to sort it out but anyway so and and we'll we'll keep you posted on all the latest tweaks and updates now I'm almost through Uh, I said you're in all these years since the ascension of Jesus still part of my comment of 1 John 1 verse 4 John, now 90 years old, continues to enjoy unhindered friendship with God and he desires to extend the same fellowship to everyone through his writing. You are never too old to learn to write or become computer literate. Verse 5, my conversation with you flows from the same source which illuminates this fellowship of union with the Father and the Son. This then is the essence of the message, God's radiant light. God is radiant light and in Him there exists no, not even a trace of obscurity or darkness at all. See, James 1.17, we've done that. Right. Um, verse 6. This is the real deal. To live a life of pretense is such a waste of time. The truth has no competition. Truth inspires the poetry of friendship in total contrast to the fake performance-based to a fake performance-based relationship. Light is not threatened by darkness. Why say something with darkness as your reference? Mm. Now we read verse 7. We are invited to explore the dimensions of the same light that engulfs God. <laughs> Isn't this something? We are invited to explore the dimensions of the same light that engulfs God when we see the light in his light fellowship ignites in this light we understand how the blood of Jesus Christ is the removal of every distortion and stain of sin and then uh, I've got the words hamartia, sin is a distorted identity from the words ha, without and meros form. To walk in the light as He is in the light means to see your life and everything that concerns you exclusively from your Father's point of view with reference to Psalms uh, 36 verse 9 1 Peter 1 verse 18 and 19 also. Now verse 8. To claim innocence by your our own efforts under the law of personal performance is to deceive ourselves and to deliberately ignore the truth the truth about us does not mean that we now have to go into denial as if we haven't done anything wrong and in my commentary i say if you've hurt or wronged someone go to them and be reconciled to apologize restores harmony But the essence of confession is a conversation inspired by the revelation of the love of God demonstrated in Christ. The focus of this conversation shifts from what you did wrong to what Jesus did right. (laughs) One cannot afford to cheat oneself by living a double life. Acting out the fellowship thing while still hosting stuff in one's life that is inconsistent with the life of your design. You do not need to first get rid of darkness and then usher in the light. Light deals most effectively and effortlessly with darkness. The light of the gospel does not reveal sin, it reveals our freedom from it. Woo. Go and read 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 and 8 in the Mirror Bible as well. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 and 8. I don't have time to go there now. I'm just closing off now. We finally got verse 9 going of 1 John chapter 1 in the Mirror Bible. I say here, our conversation takes on a brand new dynamic when we take sides with what God believes about us. So instead of telling God about the detail of your sin, you remind yourself about the detail of your redemption. God doesn't need the information you do. God's faithfulness and righteousness is the basis of your forgiveness and cleansing from every distortion. Jesus removed every bit of condemning evidence against us. It's so powerful. And then I say the word traditionally translated confession is the word homologeo from homos, the same, and logos, the word. The context of verse 7 suggests that we say what God says about us. The word translated forgiveness or remission, again, the word afiemi, up away from ami an intensive form of amy, I am. Thus forgiveness is in essence restoring to our true I amness. There we go. Mm. To cleanse from every stain. Verse 10, if we judge ourselves innocent by the law of our own works, then we make Jesus Christ and what His Word and blood communicates within us irrelevant. And then go and just bless yourselves and read 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 also in the mirror. I'll leave you with that. Love you so much.
0: Oh my God. goodness (laughs) holy smokes that was deep that was awesome that was like the summary of the entire conference oh my goodness and i noticed that a lot of you are still tracking you're still watching that's amazing to have an almost an hour and a half Uh, teaching time, and it it was so invigorating. Uh, Obviously, he's quite passionate. If you've not heard Francois before, uh, that was a fantastic introduction, including the content, because most of our content in the conference, and by the way, this is part of a conference called Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness. Uh, There's a link below to register. It's not too late. Uh, We're going to have our final uh, uh, sessions tomorrow night, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, If you register, you'll have access to all the teaching this one today is a bonus one it's like one of the best teasers i've ever heard and yet uh, if you enjoyed the content today Uh, the conference is just as deep oh my goodness it's gone deeper much deeper than I ever expected Francois thank you I believe uh, you posted something on your um, the mirror study Bible translation Facebook group so I commented to uh, uh, a person named Wendy was having trouble connecting Wendy if you're watching uh, message me and I'll I'll show you how you can watch again Um, I will be uh, reposting this uh, shortly Um, this is a, a big file to rent and reupload and those that are in the forgiveness conference all those that registered I will upload this to the the private playlist um so you can have all the content in one place to re-watch as often as you want uh, i think it's going to be amazing um francois um, i'm going to be reaching out to you too because i'd like to find out how we can get uh, copies hard copies of the mirror translation here in canada i believe you have a u.s uh site uh, where we can get them from but uh, maybe those in the kitchener waterloo uh, area uh, or close to it at least if you were interested in a, getting a hard copy uh, maybe we can pool our resources and i can order like a whole bunch like 10 or 20 and uh we can pick them up here and save some shipping costs on that um, but I'm, I'm just let me know private message me or email me um, and let me know if you're interested in that um, i think that's almost it i'm going to just do a quick run through to see who was watching charles norris from winnipeg good morning rainy from uh, alabama uh zoe's watching on on uh um youtube Um, Kimber hey Kimber I I remember we were Facebook friends Kimber and uh, my account got shut down last year I had to restart so um folks if if you if, if i'm not your friend on facebook and you enjoyed this message this is the kind of stuff i love to connect with um just send me a message on facebook or add me as a friend and then send me a message saying hey um, I, I was watching some of this stuff that gives me context because i get friend requests from parts of the world that it's like no i don't know you so i'm not going to say yes um but i want to know the context and i'll happily add because this is so much from from ghana oh my goodness that's really cool Oh my goodness I am thrilled to hear that Dorian yeah that's really cool I don't think we've had yes we did maybe it was you maybe you've already said hi before I'm not sure Aaron and Keelan Jenkins I don't know where you're from so please uh, let me know where you're watching from and Glenda where are you watching from and Danny uh, just just message and say hey watching from such-and-such such a place it's it's a lot of fun to see that um, so Francois thank you for um providing this passionate and deep teaching is like okay i had more questions what about the lord's prayer i want to reread that now what about first john um glendis from alabama i hope you know rainy because rainy is an amazing person he's part of our conference as well but uh as um francois was reading it's like oh my goodness i want to reread it from another lens And, and language does change um meanings change. So to go back and, and re-study and revisit. And again, if you've come across a Bible verse that was conflicting or something doesn't sit right, that makes God look bad, then it probably needs a little more study and a revisit. Trust your gut. We have commercials up here called trust your sports gut. It's a betting site, but so what? Um, but trust your spirit gut because the spirit lives in you you're indwelled you're already one with the spirit trust that inner voice that's saying hey something's off here that that wasn't my message and it could be right in the bible and it could be absolutely wrong and you can revisit it and go okay what was translated incorrectly or incomplete it's beautiful you just keep growing in grace because none of us have arrived thank you everyone for uh, chiming in aaron's watching from aaron and keelan are watching from california uh, that's that's a good distance from here too it's probably a lot warmer um yeah we got a we got a big snowstorm coming today which is pretty cool that's all i've got today um don't forget to register for the conference for tomorrow night's our final night um we will make the material available uh, later um again we don't want to charge but we're also saying hey make a donation doesn't matter what make it a buck make it five bucks hundred bucks depends on where your heart is at and your willingness and and you whatever you can give because um, this will help us keep going and get this message spread out farther and farther um, this is this is absolutely amazing uh, yeah yeah today's today's conversation I want to re-listen to now it's like oh my goodness that was so so good ah i love it all right you guys have a great day and uh we will catch you next time and uh click like and share this if you enjoyed this and some of you have to come back and watch this later because it's really long Um, but it's been fantastic all right you guys have a great day we'll catch you next time Bye bye